All right, welcome back to Noob School. John Sterling here. I've got a great friend and an old friend, a friend that goes back to high school, Mr. David Hudson. Welcome aboard, David. Well, thank you for having me, John. Yeah. Always a pleasure. David uh, is one of the few people who's been on the show who's beaten me in basketball. I think back in 1977 or something like that. I never beat you in basketball. You weren't on that team? Our team beat you in yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. You're they too did. tall to, to <laughs> beat you in basketball. Well, you had, a, you had a stacked team. You got a admit. stacked team. We had a great team. Um, yeah, David went to JL Mann High School in Greenville, and I went to Christ Church, and we did, in fact, play his great team twice and almost won once. Sure did. Yeah. Great memory. David, uh, David has been a friend a long time. We were friends in high school. We were friends where we went to college together at the Citadel. Um, and then we've both been in Greenville, kind of in the selling entrepreneurial space ever since. Um, and so it's past due time that we had David on the podcast. He, the last thing David accomplished was performance, performance HCM, which was a payroll processing and HR company uh, that you built for how many years? About 15 years. 15 years mm -hmm. and, then, and then sold it. And now David is, uh, as a young man, he's pretty much managing his investment fund uh, and doing like coaching and, and, and you know, training and some of that stuff with some of the young companies in town. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Could you be lured into another, another venture? You know, it's, that's a good question, John. I've been asked that, um, you know, and now in my early 60s, um, having flexibility yeah. has been the, the greatest thing about <laughs> where I am in this season of life, yeah. you know. Um, and now that I've tasted that flexibility, yeah. it, it, to go do daily operating every single day with yeah. that grind, I, I just don't know that, mm -hmm. I, that I have the the itch to do that. Yeah. I, I'm ready to help others and, and yeah. mentor some and that kind of thing. So right. that's kind of where I'm going right now. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. I, yeah. want, I want to coach and help people, but I, I don't want to fool myself into thinking I'm going to go, you know, 12 hours a day. Yes, like we used to. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Like we used yeah. to. And, you know, the, the sales grind that both you and I went through mm -hmm. for close to 40 years yeah. know, for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it takes a toll, man. Yeah. You know, it's tough out there. Yeah. And, uh, and if we can do anything to help young people coming up in that profession and and people that are in their, you know, mid-years in the profession uh, to be even better than we were, I think that's great. And that's yeah. why I love your book. I love Sales for Noobs. I think it's outstanding. Well, thank you. You need to write one. I'd love to read your book. Mm -hmm. um, so, David, we want to back up to the beginning, almost the beginning, and kind of walk through your career. And along the way, talk about this was a good move, this was not a good move, I could have done this, I could have sold this different. And just talk about some of the sales things along your career that could be helpful. But I know you went from jail man, where you were a good basketball player and, and very popular, to the Citadel. And my first question is, why did you choose to go to a military school? Why'd you be so silly like me to do something like that? Yeah, uh, listen, I get asked that question a lot. <laughs> right? I was a I was a, a guy that enjoyed social life and and a people person in high school. And, yeah, um, you would think I would have gone to the big school and maybe gotten into fraternity life. Yeah, my uncle went to the Citadel, John, and and when my father went to Clemson, it uh -huh. was a military school. Yeah, okay. So my father was a rat at Clemson. Okay, uh, I didn't shaved know that. the head and yeah. everything. Okay. You know? Uh, and my uncle, who was very influential on me, uh, especially during those years of life, uh, was an influence. Uh -huh. And um, a gentleman in Greenville, Mr. Jimmy Jones, yes, uh, was course. a great influence as well. Yeah. He had children that were my peers. Yeah. And, and, uh, Bentley, right? Bentley, yeah. yeah, and Bradley. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was very intrigued by the Citadel my senior year in high school. I, I, I began to kind of take notice of Citadel graduates yeah. uh, that were friends of my father, yeah. friends of my family. Um, I saw the professionalism, uh, the integrity, the discipline, and the success. And yeah. I think the good Lord just kind of spoke to me. Mm -hmm. You know, you, 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 need, you need this. Mm -hmm. You're, a, you're a, a young man. You're a person in this life that needs what the Citadel has to yeah. offer. And yeah. I, I went down to visit. Um, I was really intrigued by it. 
Um, didn't know what I wanted to really do in life. Yeah. Um, the, the Air Force folks down there in ROTC talked to me about possibly being, you know, a pilot. I mean, that was sexy. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, you know, but I, I felt a calling of needing that environment. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I needed structure and discipline. Yeah. yeah. And thank the good Lord it worked out. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, you yeah. know, I, none of us love the Citadel when we're there. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you but, did... There's something wrong with something you. Something wrong with yeah. you, right, yeah. So, I, I, you know, but I look back on the, the, the days and the years there and the shaping and the molding of, you know, of, of the man I became, mm -hmm. right? I mean, so it's a, I don't know, I, I, I really was intrigued and I kind of went to a, a visit down there and I came home and I said, I think that's where I'm going. Yeah. And, and, you know, I knew you, I mm -hmm. knew other folks from our community that were down there mm -hmm. that were having success. Yeah. Um, they'd made it through the, the plebe system, yeah. you know, the knob yeah. year, yeah. we call it there. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm like, I know these guys. I grew up with these guys. Man, if they can do this, I can do this. Yeah. You know? and, um, and so, man, I'm so thankful I went there. Yeah. I think I've I... been fortunate. I've had four children. I've, my two oldest children went to Clemson, and they had great, uh, great success and careers there. And then, but my two youngest sons went to the Citadel. So yeah. that's, that's been fun. Yeah. You know? That's great. Well, it's interesting you say that. <clears throat> That's the exact reason that I went there. Is I, my dad was a graduate, and I knew a lot of his friends that were graduates, and I just saw them that they were professional, they were also tough, and they developed. They were building nice lives, mm -hmm. and I was like, mm, I think I'll do that. Yes, you know that yeah. was good to me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a huge influence. And then I complained about it for four years. <laughs> well, that's kind of what we do down there, right? So, so when you were in school, did you do anything? What did you do interesting in the summers? Uh, you know, mostly mostly worked in, in my family's business okay. here in Greenville. You know, it's kind of interesting. Back in those days, not many people did anything like go abroad or right. anything. You just didn't see that. Right. And, you know, that's a regret, right? Yeah, if you yeah. say, what's a regret yeah. from those days is that I didn't go take a summer and maybe mm -hmm. go abroad and yeah. do some things a little more worldly. Yeah. But, I, you know, I needed, I needed to make money. Mm -hmm. uh, and my, my father and grandfather had a family business, and, and they gave me an opportunity to be there in the summers. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I did spend one summer in Charleston, mm -hmm. and that was great. Yeah. You know, and uh, took some classes and did a little part-time gig here and there. And, yeah. But uh, I love Charleston, and I still love it today. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, Carrie, spend lots of time there. But... You know, I, I really, I, I look back and I didn't do a ton of things. I, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time working those but summers. I mean, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's resupplying the bank account, right? To get yeah, through I the mean, next you're making year money of college. The value of hard work. Yes. You know, I mean, that's, um, that's wonderful. That's cool. And then when you were getting out, when you were in the famed D Company, you're in Delta Company. Right? I was in Delta Company. Yeah, great company. Yeah. At the, Citadel, yeah. the closest thing to uh, like the KA house is the Delta Company. I Delta. would agree. It was called the Delta Frat. The Delta Frat. Day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you got out of school, I think you went right to CTG. Is that right? Uh, no, no, actually, um, telecommunications management, which was a a, a startup company that was born out of a great company you and I know, but knew here in Greenville, Builder Marts of okay. America. So that was before CTG? That was before CTG, okay. yeah, which was stands for Corporate Telemetry. So how did you pick Telecom? Well, it's interesting. When I was a senior at the Citadel, I did a paper in business school mm -hmm. about, uh, about the building materials industry, mm -hmm. and Builder Marts was my main resource. And mm -hmm. I went spring break, spent time with them, um, and was really excited about it. My, my family had friendships of, of some people working there. Yeah. And uh, I thought I was going to go into their forest products and building materials yeah. area. I yeah. was kind of teed up to do that yeah. after college. And um, I went up kind of one of the last times I went up there to talk with them. Um, Mr. Bud Stoner, a mm. wonderful gentleman, um, said, David, we want to talk to you about something new that we're doing. <laughs> and, uh, John, this was 1984, yeah. and AT&T was being deregulated in mm -hmm. our country. It was a very interesting time. Divestiture yeah. of, of monopoly was taking place. And they had figured out an opportunity to get into the telecommunications business yeah. and compete. And the reason they did it is because they were the largest user in the state of South Carolina mm -hmm with long distance calling, mm -hmm. like we used to call them watts lines. They, yeah. 
they were either one or two. Maybe maybe Milliken and Spartanburg was a little bigger. I don't know, but they were one of the largest customers. Mm -hmm. And they said, we have got to find ways to cut costs and get, get this huge expense down. Yeah. And they decided to get in the business. Bought a switch, just yeah. like Bell and AT&T would yeah. have downtown. Yeah. And started switching their own calls. Okay. Realized it worked and started going to the Greenville community and saying, hey, we can compete. Yeah. We have an opportunity to save you money, give yeah. you better service, and it was born. And the company was called Telecommunications Management. Uh -huh. And Bud Stoner, and then a gentleman by the name of Leighton Covich, yeah. who many of us in this community yeah. know, great entrepreneur. We'll talk about Leighton more in a minute, one of my great mentors the, for, that helped me. Uh, they said, David, we'd like you to come over and do this. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to Forest yeah. Products yeah. and yeah. you can get in building materials yeah. or whatever. And so I kind of kind of went from there. Um, I later they later had me meet with Mr. Charlie Hauser, who was a longtime Builder Mart exec, who was going to go over and run the telecommunications yeah. division. Yeah. And uh, between Charlie and Layton and Mr. Bud Stoner, they they convinced me to do it, and I'm yeah. so glad I did. It was a it was a great great thing to do it. It was so unique and new and interesting. And you were I assume you were going out calling on people trying to get them to switch. Correct. Okay. It was true B to B sales. Yeah. So it was my first job out of yeah. school. They moved me to Augusta, Georgia. Yeah. And uh, one of our great friends, Ted Hassel, yeah. and I went to work at the same time. We were in the same training class. <laughs> and uh, Ted had graduated from the University of South Carolina at the yep. same time I'd finished at the Sydney. <clears throat> um, they shipped us down to Augusta, Georgia, their first satellite office out of Greenville, and uh, trained us in Greenville and mm -hmm. then moved us. And it was just pure tea. Hey, here's your Rolodex. Here's a bunch of D&B done in Bradstreet mm -hmm. cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, your job is to come in every day, get on the phones, call, 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 get appointments, go out in the street, knock on doors. And I'm like, holy mosey, okay. I'm in Augusta, <laughs> Georgia. I don't have a network of people. Yeah. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, but it turns out, you know, knew some people in Augusta. That was helpful. And I had a little bit of family connection. And so that started to get some momentum going with networking. Yeah. And, oh, networking. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole other topic. Yeah. Right? But they threw me to the wolves. Yeah. You know, I got some training, and they said, here's your Rolodex, here's your D&B cards, these are your prospects. We do them by letters. You've got A through H. Hassel's got, <laughs> you know, I through whatever, and yeah. another lady's got, you know, you know, O through Z or whatever. Yeah. And so go get them. And, uh, boy, Knock, it was— Knocking a, on doors? Knocking on doors. Yeah. Uh, you know, going out, going into office buildings, knocking on doors— getting uh, potentially run out of a building yeah. or, uh, that said non-solicitation. We learned to ignore that sign, though, right, John? <laughs> um, but, yeah, great, great experience, right? Yeah. I mean, your first sales job out of school, you've got a cold call by phone, you've got to get out there in the street, knock doors. Obviously, we're talking pre-Internet, right? Mm -hmm. So it was old-fashioned, old-school, get after it. And, and so uh, how did that company morph into, or how did the CTG come about? Well, the telecommunications management, we called it Telman, ended up being acquired and went through a couple of roll-ups. Uh -huh. And uh, eventually, our group of Greenville people, um, you know, exited oh. one, one by one. And Leighton Cubbage and Charlie Hauser stayed connected. People went different ways for a short period of time. Some people stayed with the company that had, had ultimately uh, become, had, what had ultimately become uh, the company we were with. Um, and Leighton had an idea. He, he had moved to Nashville, and um, he came back to see Charlie, and he said, I think we can do another telecom venture. I think we can sell our products through distributing channels, yeah. specifically companies that sell phone equipment, right. yeah. hardware, and um, and that is how CTG, okay. which we call the Corporate Telemanagement Group. That's so how it was Telman born. had already been successful for it, everybody. It had been success. It, it had done a public offering. It had yeah. gone public, and then it had been acquired. And Telman was an ESOP company, so mm -hmm. an employee stock ownership company. And a lot of us younger guys had been able to get a little bit of that yeah. and taste yeah. a little bit of, of equity, yeah. you know, and be a part of a company going public. And, and you were never a part of a company that you didn't have equity. Uh, not after that. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my first taste of it's it. It's hard to give it up. It, it, you know, I, and I grew up in a family business where the family owned the company. Yeah. Uh, but 
it, I didn't really understand it, right, mm-hmm. until after school. And, and my dad was helping educate me through the years, but just, um, wow, it was a great taste at yeah. Tell Man. To how, have, did, how did Leighton hook up with Tell Man in the first place? Uh, somebody knew, knew of Leighton or, or introduced Bud Stoner and Charlie to Leighton. He was working for a large telecom company up in New York, and he was okay. from Sumter and went to Clemson, played football there, yeah. and had connections still here. But... Um, I don't remember who it was that knew Leighton and connected him with Charlie and Bud. Okay. But um, Leighton was in New York and had learned this, you know, hard-charging cold calls in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Man. He worked for ITT. That's what it was, yeah. International yeah. Telephone and okay. Telegraph, yeah. But that's how he connected back to them and yeah. they brought him back yeah. to Greenville when they were starting Tell Man. Well, when you're, bust, when you're busting down doors <clears throat> in person, what could you pass on is a very good working way to get in the door and have a conversation? Well, let me let me first say this about that, okay. and then I'll answer you. In in today's high tech world, yeah, I think you still have to have a balance of how you prospect, mm-hmm. and and in 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 most business businesses products. Cold calling physically can still be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got I've got children that sell. I've got friends' children that sell. They're all very high tech, LinkedIn, social media, using all these cool softwares. But I, yeah, I really think that cold calling still helps you f- further further develop your craft. Yeah. And you need to understand how to go knock a door and how mm-hmm. to how to get over the butterflies and the fear and the anxiety of, God, I'm about to walk in here. What if they throw me out? What if they say no? What mm-hmm. they? And so I loved the learning process of that. Mm-hmm. And I would coach any young person today, get out of the office if you can. <laughs> COVID was a, a weird deal, right, yeah. for those of us in the sales world, right? It, it, it pushed everybody remote. We had to become more, more, ex, more experts at how to do remote. But I, I really te- would always still teach, even in our company, my most recent company, you got to go knock doors. You got to get out of the office. You know, schedule time during the week to be able to do it, and then you know, perfect your craft. You, you, if you get in, you you really got to make a friend with the receptionist or whoever's up front. Yeah. You've got to get to know them. I mean, you you've got to you got to talk to them. You mm-hmm. can ask questions that will lead you to learn about that company. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just amazing to me how you can just sit there and talk to somebody up front. Tell me about what you guys do. Yeah. How long have you been here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Versus just, hi, I'd like to speak to Frank Brown, please. Is yeah. he available? No, he's not. I mean, that's what you're going to get every yeah. time, right? That's it. Yeah. Or, well, hang on just a minute and we'll try to, we'll try to, I'll try to call him. And you go sit down in the lobby and start flipping through a magazine. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got to, you got to be using the time wisely mm-hmm. and building a relationship with that person who's sitting right there. Yeah. Um, one little, one little story. Yeah, sure. One of my most successful wins ever mm-hmm. was in Greensboro, North Carolina. And the receptionist at a large furniture company happened to be the daughter of the owner. Never knew it. She was married, different last name, had no idea. She didn't tell me. She told me later that of all the vendors that came in and spoke to her, because I engaged her and followed up and talked to her and was always kind to her and, you know, questioned her and, she said, I recommended to my dad that he go with you. Wow. And, that, you know, th- that's an example, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's one of my favorite wins of all time. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, it wasn't the largest win for me, but yeah. it was a big win, you know, yeah. in those days. And so I just yeah. think you got to, I think you got to have that in your, in your balance, in your yeah. mix. It's yeah. one of the errors in the prospecting quiver yeah. that I think you still can do. Yeah. That reminds me, <clears throat> I don't know what I should call it, like the, the reception syndrome, but we would have our receptionist have the authority to tell us that she wants to disqualify somebody. Yeah. She would, she would, I would call her, as, as the person is coming up the elevator, she would call me and I'd say, so what do you think? She goes, oh, he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, or worth, say, worth or, talking to. Or she would say, no, That's no, it. he's a jerk. Absolutely. Same with people trying to sell us stuff. 
Same thing. I say, is this a nice guy? Super nice guy or jerk, jerk. I'm like, well, if he's a jerk, then the answer is no. That's it. That's right. I agree. So I, I just, you asked me about the cold calling. So I think that was, you know, that was a, a great learning experience and one that, uh, that I've tried to teach and coach and, you know, it's starting with my own internal yeah. kids who got in sales and then their friend groups and now, now uh, companies and all that. Well, it goes, it goes to the thing I was talking to you about yesterday is, you know, you, if you have one leading characteristic, it's a positive attitude and enthusiasm, and that can take you a long way. You know, because that was not a secret what you just said. That's just showing up a lot, following up, being kind, being nice, and you're the number one pick. Yes, it. There is no trick. No trick. Yeah. Blocking and tackling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Leighton used to say. That's it. He he was, what a great mentor. Oh, my God. Um, All right, so I got sidetracked. So so you went, had a good run at Tailman, got a taste when you sold it, and then when you reconnected CTG or when the people got back together, the band got back together, um, it was pretty much Ted and you and Leighton and Charlie. and That was it initially. Yeah, that was yeah, it. Right. Okay. I mean, it was really, I was in Greenville. Yeah. And so uh, I think Leighton called me right out of the gate. He said, you know, hey, you know, uh, we want to talk to you yeah. uh, about coming to do this thing. We'd yeah. love for you to come be in sales and help get the sales side going and you know, we've got a good track record together. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, you know, just hearing from Leighton, and he's a master sales guy, right? Yeah. I couldn't say no. It was it was exciting. It was a great opportunity. Yeah. And so we got Ted uh, involved, and then uh, shortly thereafter, we got Eddie Terrell involved, yeah. who's very close to you, as you yeah, know. Yeah, very uh, close. You well, that, I would say just as a, as, a, as a coaching point here, you know, <clears throat> if you look at your career so far that we've described – you'd say, well, God, that was a lucky break that he got to work for that tellman company instead of being in the lumber thing. And I'd say, well, I don't know about that. You know, he, he'd earned his right to be there for the lumber thing. He'd done his internship, and he'd worked his channels, and he's there. But I'll guarantee you, if there's a few people there, you were the most enthusiastic person there. And they said, if we got to pick one guy to go bust down doors and sell stuff, it's David. Right? I mean, you know, I mean, I... I, I, I I learned how important attitude is, yeah. and it started with the high school years yeah. and trying to be a leader in a basketball program that was a successful program in our state, and then the Citadel, you know, God, you had to have a great attitude, right, John? Yeah, and then, I mean, and then, and then the people who just made a bunch of money on this first company are starting a second company, and you're the first sales guy they call yeah. because they knew what you could do. So it was not lucky. It wasn't like they just accidentally dialed your number. So the point is, you know, you earn these breaks along the way. You might get lucky every now and then, but for the people listening, you can hustle your way and, and think your way to the right spot. Yes, you can. Yeah. And I, you know, and thank you for saying that. It's, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I was uh, was called by Leighton and Charlie because of the tailman days, and I and I always will be appreciative of that. But they had trained me well, and they they knew how they had trained me, right? And so, between my father's sales influence and then Leighton, really uh, yeah. in those early years, those those the combination of those two, you know, helped me uh, understand yeah. how to how to have that right attitude, that right positive mentality, positive mental attitude, yeah. PMA, we used to say. Yeah. And so, how long was that run? The CTG run. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I'm, now you're gonna get me on that one. I, it, I think it was from. I think it went about seven years. If okay. I'm not And my brother joined you somewhere. Yeah, in Dan. There. Yes, sir. Your brother came in with the next group. Yeah. We had uh, Dan and Russell Powell, Doug Hamer, um, yeah. John Hogue. We had some great young men come in. Um, kind of the next generation. They came into our sales support and helped support what David, Ted, and Eddie were doing. Yeah. And um, and that we were able to mentor them, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, they were wonderful additions. They they started as our sales support team, and um, you know we just all built it together. Yeah. And it was a, it was a great culture, great family. Um, we had many other people involved in the company. We're all still on text change today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we just we just had a love for each other. It was, yeah. it was a special environment. Yeah. You know? And and Leighton and Charlie created that right, and then and then yeah. others carried it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, I think that, I think people create those kind of cultures by careful selection of people. Yeah. Like you can't take you know a Jack Leg and turn him into a David Hudson. You just got to go find more David Hudsons if you want those people to coalesce and you know, love each other. So. Well, those, those gentlemen that started the business and invited us into it were, were absolute winners, right? Yeah. And you, you want to be around winners. Yeah. I mean, I've guided my own family members to get with winners. Yeah. You know, winners win. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we, we, we were able to build a culture of winners. And, that, and that, I know you did the same thing at DataStream in your great career. And uh, it, that's, that's so important. Yeah. You know, because you spend so much time in that environment. Yeah. In your life. It's just uh, critical. It is. And then you guys, seven-year run, <coughs> you sold that company to Windstream? We sold it to LCI International. LCI. LCI. Yeah, okay. big, big public company out of Dublin, Ohio. Okay. Um, big national company. And uh, I stayed on with yeah. them. I stayed a, a year there. Uh, they, they moved me into one of their regional vice president jobs and it's great i mean i learned a lot i spent time up in dublin and yeah. go up there in the winter and the snow yeah. and uh you know they they were a very bright management team yeah. um but uh yeah they paid us a lot of money for that little <laughs> company it was a and i had been, i had been fortunate enough i'd been offered some stock opportunities at ctg early on and, uh, and then kept trying to find ways to get more and get more. Mm -hmm. And so I was very fortunate and blessed mm -hmm. that I was able to get equity mm -hmm. in that opportunity. The, the first deal you and I talked about gave mm -hmm. me the taste. Mm -hmm. And so I did all I could to get more equity in CTG. Yeah. And good Lord will, and it, it, it paid off. It was a, the industry was hot. Uh, our industry, that industry later went through some serious downturn. But yeah. uh, CTG had an amazing... Uh, return the uh, the multiples the the uh, the purchase agreement the whole thing was a great situation yeah. and uh, you know many of the people involved had stock options and stock had equity and were, were rewarded well yeah that's you great know, it was it was a great lesson in what equity can mean yeah it was wonderful and then then I think you started another company called New South. We did. Right. New South is another telecom company, that right? That is correct. Okay. What's different about New South and CTG? A little bit different niche. Okay. So I mentioned that AT&T had been deregulated, and in the telecom industry when that happened in the 80s, that was like long-distance calling, mm -hmm. you know, um, when you would call another city or another state or international or whatever, there were fees, right? And young people today don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's all free. That's right. Yeah. But the part of the telecom world in, in, in our country that had not been deregulated was the local connection, the mm -hmm. local line to your home or your business, mm -hmm. which was provided by Bell South. And so in the mid-2000s, uh, or the early 2000s, that, that last piece, that local piece, was deregulated. Mm -hmm. And so we met a gentleman from Louisiana at some of our telecom conferences, a gentleman by the name of Michael LaFrance. Mm -hmm. I think you may remember his name, yeah, Michael. Yeah, I met him. Uh, Michael was very successful in, early on in the deregulation of local. Uh -huh. And Michael was interested in doing a startup um, in the in the southeast. Uh, he was originally from Louisiana, um, and he had heard a lot about Greenville, and uh -huh. he knew Charlie Hauser. Yeah. And Charlie introduced Eddie Terrell and myself to Michael. Mm -hmm. And so um, we started talking, and long story short, um, put a business model, business plan together, uh, got some capital, raised some money, and uh, off we went. And we yeah. started New South. And yeah. so it was a... It was a local competitor to Bell uh -huh. that also provided the long distance piece and at that time started to provide some data connectivity. Uh -huh. So the data world was beginning. Yeah. And we wanted to capitalize on that as well. Yeah. So we started easing into that. And uh, of course that took off more later. But you know, yeah, it was a it was a great thing. And uh, we put together a partnership. We had two other gentlemen come in and join us uh, and started a partnership. Um, of New South, and off we went, yeah. and uh, grew it quite a large company. Yeah. And, um, and you know that company did survive. The industry went through some serious challenges about yeah. five, mm -hmm. six years into that business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were downturns in telecom, um, and um, and so we went through some serious challenges. But we had a CFO 
that never did let us go out and get high-yield debt, John. Mm -hmm. I, I still today, all of our competitors were getting high-yield debt. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just loading it up. Mm -hmm. And I just remember Ron, our CFO, who just absolutely refused. We're not going to do it. We don't need to do it. It's too risky. And so our company was able to make it through mm. a very challenging time. And we saw a lot of companies going down. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we... we uh, we had stayed in touch. Your brother and a couple of others had started a, a different type of business, heavy residential. We were commercial. Mm -hmm. And um, that business became Newbox. Mm -hmm. And so we merged Newbox and New South, like 04, 05, and um, put together a really nice company. And then Windstream Communications out of Little Rock, Arkansas, bought yeah. the whole thing. Not really a grand slam. Yeah. We'd had to to survive. Obviously, a lot of dilution took place. Yeah. We did some multiple rounds of, of, of financing and capital. KKR, the famous venture yeah. capital group out of New York, was a partner. Uh, Wells Fargo Capital was a partner. And, you know, they, they would keep putting a little bit in to keep everything rolling. So dilutions occurred. But, you know, we made something out of it. Yeah. And um, it, it didn't all end up negative. And, yeah. Well, was it a great learning experience? Well, opened up a lot of sales offices around the southeast yeah. from scratch, yeah. you know, and hired people. And uh, well, I, I, it was a great experience for me. I was the executive VP of sales and marketing yeah. for the company. A win's a win, David. A win's a win. <laughs> you know, we got out of it. We were able to make it through. Whether you win by one or win by twenty, we won. Yeah, great won. lesson in there on the finance side, yeah. though, that I try to talk to entrepreneurs about. To on, be. Be careful. Careful. Be yeah. careful. You know, you get you can get caught up and think that, uh, you know, uh, whatever you're doing is going to work. And oh. I saw some wonderful companies that had just taken too much high yield debt. Yeah. And couldn't couldn't make it. Yeah. You know, I just it was heartbreaking. Yeah, that's a, that's great because you know, I always try to try to think like Buffett and Munger. You know, they 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 would tell you the same thing that is you know. What goes up must come down and you yes. know, all that kind of stuff. I want to tell you what, I'll never forget when we sold CTG and we had success and there was financial success and financial reward. I'll never forget Charlie Hauser saying, you know, your bank account just got a little bit bigger and a lot of people are going to think you're some kind of real genius smart guy. Mm -hmm. But don't ever forget, your IQ hadn't changed a bit. <laughs> so I, I love that. I mean, yeah. I still use that today, right? Well, you just got to you gotta hustle. Everyone's got to hustle. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, everyone's got to hustle. Keeps you humble, too. Keeps yeah. you humble. So let's cover the – you had two more businesses since then, right? Uh, just had one more since then. One more, then. okay. So yep, that's one more since then. So yep. performance. So tell us why, after all that telecom success – uh, every one of them was successful, just in different degrees. Why switch over to HR and billing? It's really interesting. So um, one of my great teammates at New South New Box, uh, worked with him probably almost 10 years, was a guy by the name of Penn Gaines. And yeah. Penn is from Greenville. He's yeah. a little younger than we are, but yeah. he's also a Citadel guy yeah. and a South Carolina MBA, real bright guy. Great operator. Um, Penn and I had talked about trying to do something together after Windstream bought the company. We both were from Greenville, our families were here. And uh, we sat down one day and, and started making a list of kind of what we wanted to do. And what we knew, John, was B2B, business to business, small to medium, business to business, service industry sales, mm -hmm. okay? With residual revenue. Yeah, And we knew that residual revenue valuations a lot of times are done on revenue, not EBITDA. Yeah. And we wanted to be in something similar to what we knew. Our telecom services were go out, sell somebody, hook them up, and they pay you every month. Mm -hmm. And we had lunch with a gentleman here in Greenville who was in the staffing business, John U. Pritchard. His mm -hmm. company's called Find Great People mm -hmm. here. Be a great guy to have on your podcast mm -hmm. sometime. Mm -hmm. Really bright, bright guy. Done yeah. a wonderful job there. But we were talking to John, and he said, have you guys ever looked into, like, payroll and HR? It's residual revenue. You provide a service. They pay you every month to do the service. There's no inventory to keep. Mm -hmm. There wasn't in telecom. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of overhead. There wasn't. Mm -hmm. And 
you just outserviced the big boys. Mm-hmm. That's what you guys have done. Mm-hmm. You've competed against Bell and AT and T, and you've won. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody else out there in our state except the big boys, yeah. ADP, yeah. Paychecks, yeah. Ceridian. Yeah. Um, and so, boy, I, I remember that night I went home <laughs> and I couldn't sleep, John. I, I just said, I, I said. I so, think this is what we should. So, did do. you tell him that we're thinking we're trying to figure out what business to go? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And okay. we had, we had a list of all those things. You know, residual revenue, service okay. business, B two B, small to medium customers. So let's say do it, it in our state. You're where competing with ADP. If you were coming to call on me and I had ADP, I would I would say, well, I'm trying. They're paying me three percent. Everything works fine. What can you do different? Right. So. Number one, I want to look and see if we can cut your cost. Okay. You got a lot of overhead. I'm, I'm still listening. Yep, you're listening. <laughs> Number two, I think we can give you service that you've never seen before mm-hmm. if you give us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Number three, I think we can give you some additional ancillary stuff to go with it on the HR side of things that will help you mm-hmm. and, um, and give you accuracy. Mm-hmm. Accuracy. Mm-hmm. I think we can do your tax work very accurate. And if you have problems with it, you can reach us immediately. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll give you live people to work with. Yeah. And in the in the payroll world, tax is a real issue. There there can be a lot of issues there for companies if they're not careful. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, we, we you know, I started going around the state and talking to friends and yeah. family yeah. and just doing some survey stuff. You know, mm-hmm. who do you use for your payroll? Mm-hmm. Who do you use for HR? Yeah. Do you do it in-house? Do you yeah. use an accountant? Yeah. And I kept hearing ADP or, or you know, we try, we try to do it in-house on QuickBooks, but we've messed up our taxes. I'd love to outsource it if I could trust somebody. Mm-hmm. And I looked at a lot of these friends and family and said, if I prove to you we can execute it, would you give us a shot? Mm-hmm. Are you married mm-hmm. to the big boy? Mm-hmm. They said, of course I'm not married to the big boy. Mm-hmm. I'd love to give you a shot. Mm-hmm. And so Penn and I started talking. I said, Penn, I can sell it. If you can get it installed and make it work, make it work. <laughs> yeah. you know, and I said, I think we got a partnership. Here. Yeah. And so uh, that's what we did. Yeah. And it was so similar to our telecommunications. Interesting. Days. Really similar to that first company, Telman, yeah. and in a lot of ways, New South. Yeah. CTG was more of a national distribution model. Mm-hmm. And we did bring that into play in performance in different ways yeah. later, and it helped us scale faster. But, um, we opened up Greenville, we opened up Columbia, we opened up Charlotte, we, we started going to Asheville, we started going to Charleston, Savannah, uh, Georgia, and all of a sudden it just took off. I mm-hmm. mean, we, had, we, we were passionate about service, attitude and enthusiasm and a mission statement with Corvais that everybody understood, John. It was a, and I was ready to do this. Mm-hmm. I think you and I talked about that. Yeah. I had been trained and had been prepped by the Leightons of the world mm-hmm. and the Charlies of the world, and it was time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I felt ready to lead and ready to go. Yeah. And uh, Penn was an unbelievable co-pilot mm-hmm. to have right there in the in the cockpit with me. So you were about forty then. Yeah, I was forty. Let's see, we did it fifteen years, um, and uh, so I was in my early forties. Yeah. Um, so I like that because we, we, we kind of that's a theme that we keep coming back to is that people, <clears throat> so many people that we talk to are like, I want to own my own business and I want to do my own thing. I'm like, okay, you get prepared. You know, learn your craft, understand how the different parts of the business work. And maybe by the time you're 35 or 40 or 45 or whatever, you'll be ready. So ready that people like Layton will put money into what you're doing because they know you so well. Bingo. Not that he did, but I mean, no, but you'll, right. you'll be prepared for that. So I think, uh, you know, when something like that happens. The other thing I like about what you said, this is great for the, for the noob schoolers, is, you know, we all think we have great ideas. Boy, I got a whole file, file folder of them. War chest of them. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but when you have the courage to go ask 20 or 25 people <coughs> face-to-face, you know, tell me the truth. What do you think about this idea? Would you buy it or use the money for it, you really find out what the answer is. And you felt like it was like 80% in your favor. Yeah, yeah, go. And it's foolish not to do that type of research and surveying if you're trying to start something. (coughs) You know, you learn. I mean, you and I, we got the gray hair now. We know. And and I was was prepped for, for the entrepreneur role and to start the business. And 
you know, I look back on it, great teammates, couldn't have done it by myself, I don't think. You, you, <coughs> you, you got to have an outstanding group around you. It's, it's all about we, it's not my or yeah. I. And, um, you know, I learned a, a strong vision and mission statement uh, that everybody understands. Why do we come in every day, mm -hmm. right? This is why. Yeah. And we had it up everywhere. What was the mission? Uh, the mission was to provide the best customer service in the payroll and HR business in the country. Yeah. I mean, it, and there were more, there's a little more to it. Than yeah. that. And then how do you do it? You do it through your core values, right? So we wrote eight core values out. Mm -hmm. And we, we had everybody memorize them. And that, this, I want you to know why you come in every day. And then I want you to know how we're going to accomplish that, right? And so we, you had the core values there all in writing. Everybody knew them. And then how do you achieve these core values is through attitude and enthusiasm. Yeah. If you, you and I talk, that sounds so simple, but it's real, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Charles Swindoll's attitude yeah. is everything. One of the greatest things ever written, yeah. right? I mean, 10% what happens and 90% how I respond to it. And then Ralph Waldo Emerson's enthusiasm. Nothing yeah. great was yeah. ever achieved without enthusiasm. I, I just remember we had those up everywhere and, we built it all around that. Yeah. And, and Leighton and Charlie and those mentors of mine are who helped me get ready to present that and, and lead that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems simple, but <clears throat> it's amazing how many business leaders don't tell the people exactly what they want. Yeah. They just kind of hire them and they kind of get angry when they're not doing what they want. But to tell them exactly what they want. There was a girl, a lady I, I worked with <clears throat> years ago, and when you walked into her office, it was it kind of like the old CT, CTG days. It was just electric with happy, energetic, high-attitude people. Hey, how are you? Where are you from? And they just they couldn't have been nicer. And I said to her, I said, how do you do it? They're all so damn nice and excited. And she goes, oh, we try to hire people that are kind of like that already. And then when we hire them, we say, you have to stay this way or we're going to let you go. Love and if it. somebody starts being an old grump, they get rid of them. They're gone. Like, holy cow, that yeah. seems pretty simple. I love it. The little things when, when guests would come into any of our offices around the Southeast, we, we, in your training you were taught in our company, you stand up. If you're not on the phone, or yeah. you, you pop up yeah. and you speak to that guest. Right. No matter who they are. Yeah. Customer, vendor. Yeah. Treat the vendors the same as the customer. Yeah. Treat the vendor the same as the employee. Treat the employee the same. Yeah. Those are your three big groups, right? Yeah. My employees, my customers, my vendors. Mm -hmm. And we tried to have our core values treat all three of those buckets equally. Mm -hmm. Can't do it without your vendors. Yeah. I was never the guy to try to beat up my vendors. Yeah. I, I needed my vendors. Yeah. You know, so it's just... I don't know. I, I really am trying to help, like you've done with your book. I'm trying to help these young entrepreneur groups, um, the ones I've been helping here mm -hmm. in, in the next accelerator program and, and with our Founders Fund, really get that. You know, these are young entrepreneurs, great minds, brilliant people, but I don't want them to lose the simplicity of how you and I built our companies. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Even my own children who have have started successfully in their careers, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> congratulations. All of your businesses have been successful, and I'm glad you're going to spend more time um, giving back now, and you have time to do that. Um, I met the head of the Charleston Business Accelerator about a month ago. You should Have you met him before? I have not. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. Amazing. I'll introduce you to him, but they, they're doing... They have sixty. They have sixty entrepreneurial businesses who have offices in their building. And that, and I've it, heard about them. And I've Pleasant. heard about the building. Yeah, and it's in Mount Pleasant. Mount believe, Pleasant. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so we're doing the same thing here in Greenville, just slightly different scale at the moment. Right. Um, well, let's go through a few more things. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh, Stephen Covey. Stephen Seven, Seven Habits, Habits of Highly right. Effective People. Yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. Yeah. Now, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm -hmm. huge, yeah. huge influence on me. Yeah. And then Zig Ziglar's See at the Top. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's one of the greatest ever written. Yeah. But the Seven Habits, the reason I say that, I went through the Covey program mm -hmm. as well after I read the book. Mm -hmm. And the Seven Habits, you can do everything in life in your balance following the guide of the seven habits mm -hmm. that Cubby wrote. Yeah. You know, and 
One of my big weaknesses was listening. Mm. I, I have a problem of loving to hear my favorite speaker speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so seek first to understand, then be understood yeah. was one of the habits. Yeah. And it was my favorite one and yeah. one I needed yeah. to learn how to be an excellent listener as a salesperson. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that book had more influence on me in my career than any book I ever read. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. it. I love it. I follow habits one and two. I mean, I think about them every day. Proactive. Uh, and I, I can, first things first, yeah. and then be proactive. And the, uh, um, yeah, I, I, that book changed my life. And we, uh, we, we, I think, was it? Gosh, it was like twenty-five years ago when we read that. Yeah, is it? it I think thirty. Thirty. Almost thirty years wow. ago. Yeah. Wow, that's a great book. All right, <clears throat> um, favorite movie. Favorite movie? Oh gosh, I don't know about that one. Uh, that's a tough one for me. Um, you know, this is corny, man. You'll find this funny. <laughs> but I got, I've got some old South in me, and mm -hmm. I still think Gone with the Wind is one of the greatest okay. movies I've uh, ever watched. I, I think that sounds so corny. Well, My I wife mean, will die laughing. When it, but I loved Rhett Butler. Yeah, I thought he was just a stud. You know, I remember being a young guy watching it. And I just thought mustache. the whole thing. I was intrigued by the whole Southern history. And yeah, all. I and think it's a. I mean, it's a definitely a top hundred movie of uh, all time. Classic. Yeah, and what I about, really, really think about it at times when I think about you know where our country is today and yeah. what our country went through. And I don't know. That just, I just that just comes to mind. That's right? a good one. <laughs> How about, uh, I know you like uh, music. How about favorite band? Oh, more local, regional. You know who the Blue Dogs are? Yeah. Love them. You like Blue Dogs? Blue Dogs. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've heard them multiple times. Yeah. Uh, good South Carolina band that is, you know, they, 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 they've done a lot of big gigs. I've seen them open up for Hootie before. Yeah. I, I love them. That's yeah. my kind of music. Yeah. I would say if I was going local, you know, band like that, I would go Killer Whales. Yeah, great band. <laughs> they were great. That was band. our day. That was our day. I know. I remember them in Charleston. They were fantastic. Well, They're very nice. similar, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were a great band. I still listen to some of their music from time to time. Oh, I love it. Marlene. Marlene, yeah. Great song. Um, and then favorite word? Attitude. Attitude. I knew it. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, I... Attitude is everything, yeah. and I, I, I've got a little thing. I brought this. I'll show you. Yeah. Let me just show you this real quick. This was up in my my children's bathrooms, and you know, on the mirror. Yeah. Um, this is Charles Swindoll's attitude, you know, uh -huh. and it, it is uh, to me the reason it's my favorite word. I, I wanted my kids at young ages, mm -hmm. kindergarten, to start reading that and let that seep in. We can overcome anything in life with the right attitude, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does sound kind of corny, but but boy, if you don't understand it and have it, mm -hmm. life's, life's hard enough without it. I mm -hmm. mean, it, it's a great thing to be a believer in, right? Yeah. yeah. Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I respond to it. Well, you can do anything with that type of mentality. Right. And so I, I just think Leighton, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, what the mind can believe and con what the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. And Leighton taught us that a lot, and we read that book back in the, in the day. But it really is true. Yeah. And with the right attitude, you can do anything. Yeah. And you can make it through anything. Yeah. So I, I just think that's why I, I, I saw something that you sent out about that favorite word, and I was thinking I could come up with all kind of stuff, but I really believe that's at the heart of my favorite word. Out yeah, there. yeah. I, you know, people ask me sometimes, what does that mean, attitude? And part of it's just, you know, your, your energy. That's part of it. It's just having the positive energy. But the other part is, like, specifically, when something comes at you, are you going to find a positive thing about this situation, or are you going to dwell on something negative? You know, perfect example would be someone who says, "Well, here's your your ten thousand dollar bonus." Look, like, God, that's going to be six thousand after tax. Right. That's a negative. That's their thing. first thought. Right, right, first thought versus like, man, that's fantastic. I wasn't expecting that. You know, this is wonderful. Thank you. So, or or someone, you know, another example, someone like the job goes away. Like, oh my God, this isn't fair. You know, they're always picking on me, and it's a bad job market, and the interest rates are high. Versus like, I wonder what I can find now. There you go. The whole world is wide open now. There I'm not go. stuck in this job anymore. So I think that's what people, if you're trying to have a good attitude, 
part of it is just having that like a literal uh, mindset, mathematical mindset of which way am I going to respond to each situation, a positive way or a negative way. They're both available. Both available. They're both available. They're both available. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because we were talking about for the young salespeople out there and we're trying to do this to help, obviously, these the, the next generation yeah. come along. The two things, if, if you've got the right attitude and you've got enthusiasm, it's unbelievable how far you can go. People want to work with people like that, yeah. right? Yeah. You and I, we've talked about people we know. It, someone with the right attitude who's enthusiastic, you want to be around those people. Yeah. I mean, and so that, that leads to winning. Mm -hmm. And then winners recruit winners and, yeah. and that just turns into to gold yeah. you know it's and and it's it's culture but anyway that's yeah it's kind of fun yeah. you and i could talk about that all day. <laughs> that's something we both love well one last question um is there anything that you want to promote it's not like you've sold all your businesses do you have anything well, no, I got, I, i've got some yeah I, uh so my partner pen games yeah. that was our last business venture performance yeah. um started a new company okay uh, about two years ago and i'm i'm uh, involved on the board i'm an investor I'm, i love the company it's in the hr software space okay and uh, the name of the company is payfluence hcm okay um they're they're headquartered over off of south pleasantburg here in greenville uh, they're off to a great start. Good. It's a great company. They've got a lot of this culture in their company. Um, and then my number one nonprofit thing I'm doing is called Best Buddies International. Mm -hmm. um, my oldest son is autistic. Mm -hmm. He is a graduate of the Clemson Life Program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my wife, Carrie, and I have been passionate about the IDD community intellectually and develop me, developmentally disabled mm -hmm. young people. And um, Best Buddies did not have a South Carolina chapter. Mm -hmm. And our daughter got involved in Best Buddies in North Carolina. It's a national organization. It mm -hmm. was started by the Shriver, the Kennedy Shriver family, mm -hmm. same people that started Special Olympics. Mm -hmm. And um, we have been able to bring it to South Carolina. Nice. And we just had a big gala fundraiser this, this past fall. Uh, we've got an executive director. We've got a programming manager. Um, I'm the chairman of the advisory board, and we've got a group of 12 uh, people in our state. Yeah. A lot of them, you know who they are. Yeah. They're connected and networked. And, man, we're off and running. It's, it puts traditional people with those that have IDD mm -hmm. and uh, buddies them up together, helps them mentor yeah. and gives them job opportunities and just helps them with independent living. It's, it's really cool. That's very so cool. that I'm, I'm really, I've really got a passion for that right now. We're, we're doing some cool things with that. Good. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank That's you. Awesome. It's fun. You know, so. Well, David, um, we could go on for hours about sales attitude and everything else, but <laughs> yeah. I think our time is up. So thank you for, for being here. You're a, you're a four time winner so far. So, uh, we're glad you are able to come on the show. It's great to be here. I All appreciate right. you having me today, All right. Thank John. you, buddy. Great to be appreciate with you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks Thank for you. what you're All doing. Right.